Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades on five continents, culminated his ministry with a 21-year, book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called a life study. This life study is the basis of our program today, which includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now let's join today's life study. As the church in Colossae continued after its promising beginning, several factors became important to the believers there. Among these were the practice of keeping various ordinances and aspects of the Old Testament law, as well as the influence of those who promoted the worship of angels to serve as intermediaries between sinful and fallen man and the righteous and holy God. Though these things may not seem harmful or dangerous, Paul the Apostle went to great lengths to completely eradicate these factors from the sphere or the realm of the salvation of the saints. Ed Marks has returned as we get into an absolute gem today on this Life Study message from Colossians 2. Ed, welcome back. I'm glad to have you today. Chris, it's good to be back, and I agree with you that this message is a real gem that will be a great help to our listeners. We have three verses today, Ed, that I think marvelously summarize, to use Witness Lee's terminology, the economy of God's salvation. Let's read these verses, Ed, and then go right to Witness Lee for what I think will be a very memorable and enlightening word today. We're in Colossians chapter 2, beginning at verse 13. It says, And you, though dead in your offenses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our offenses wiping out the handwriting in ordinances which was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, nailing it to the cross, stripping off the rulers and authorities. He made a display of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Strong wording in these verses, isn't there, Ed? Stripping off and uh, nailing it, uh, wiping out. There's, uh, there's some real uh, feeling in the apostle coming through here, isn't there? There really is, Chris, and as we'll see in Brother Lee's sharing, we'll see how how marvelous Christ is and how marvelous his work on the cross was. Okay, Ed, let's join Witness Lee. He's going to give us the three key components of the economy of God's salvation. God, the Father, made us alive. He has enlivened us, making us alive together with the resurrected Christ. This is one thing. Then the second thing in verse 14 is to kill all the ordinances, to nail the law to the cross. Then in verse 15, you have the third thing. The third thing is to uh, strip off the uh, angelic powers from himself. Three things are here. Number one, God enlivened us, made us alive. Number two, God nailed all the law to the cross. 
And number three, God stripped off the angelic rulers and authorities from himself. Three things. I hope that you all can see this. God has no intention to keep the law. And God has no intention to uh, use the angels. God wanted to have us. And the way for him to have us is to put his divine life into us, to uh, make us alive. In the economy of God's salvation, God would not use the law any longer, and God would not take any angels into the sphere of his salvation. In this realm, the law is out. All the angels are out. Law is out. Very few Christians have seen this, that the cross not only crucified so many things, sin, sinners, the world, the flesh, the natural man, and uh, Satan. Not only all these things were crucified there, but also the law was crucified there. Have you noticed such a strong word Paul uses? God nailed, God nailed the law with all its ordinances on the cross. Paul was very strong because he got vision. The vision to him was so clear and this vision made him so definite. In the economy of God's salvation, no law, just like no sin, sin is out. Sin has been wiped out on the cross. Sin is sinful. Law is gold. But both have been nailed to the cross. Ed, this is a striking word here. In the economy of God's salvation, or, or you could say in the working out of God's salvation, there's absolutely no place given to these uh, specific things. The law and angels. That doesn't mean that there's not such a thing as law and angels, but these things have no part, no role to play in salvation. So actually, all of the interest that's present today in the world regarding angels and things like this really are a distraction from the real economy of God, aren't they? Yes, Chris, they really are. And I'd like to just uh, dwell on these two items just for a minute in our fellowship together. The first thing is the law. And like Brother Lee pointed out in Colossians, Paul is very strong that on the cross, the Lord wiped out the handwriting in ordinances. These are the ordinances of the law, and he nailed the law with its ordinances to the cross. You know, many times in the Christian life, we may think the Christian life is a code of do's and don'ts. We may just transfer from the Old Testament law. Well, now we still have the law. But according to God's New Testament economy, the law with its ordinances has been nailed to the cross. Now, Chris, what's so marvelous is Christ has come into us. He's living in us, and he is the law of life within us. So as we contact him, as we enjoy him, as we live him, the righteous requirements of the law are spontaneously fulfilled. 
This is why Romans 8, 4 says that those who walk according to the Spirit spontaneously fulfill the righteous requirements of the law. So this is what we need to do as Christians. We need to walk according to Christ as the Spirit in our spirit. Then related to angels, Chris, you know, um, of course, in Colossae, they were involved in the heretical teaching of angel worship. Right. And Paul was very burdened about this, especially if you look in Hebrews. You know, in Hebrews chapter 1, he points out that Christ is superior to the angels. Like if you look in Hebrews 1, 4 through 7, it says Christ is much better than the angels. He's inherited a more distinguished name than the angels. Mm -hmm. And then he even quotes a verse, uh, you know, in the Old Testament, actually in the Psalms, where it says, let all the angels of God worship him. We shouldn't worship the angels because all the angels of God worship Christ. Christ is the only one who is the very God that we should worship. Then Paul goes on to say in Hebrews that the angels are God's ministers. Even uh, in verse 14 of chapter 1, he says they're ministering spirits sent forth for service for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation. So actually the angels serve us. They serve us, and they do many things. They protect us and serve us and help us into God's salvation. But the point here, Chris, even today, there's a lot of focus on angels. Yeah, There's books about angels. I think there's a television program about angels. We need to be careful. Our focus as Christians is on the person of Christ. We love Christ. We want to be filled with Christ. We want to express Christ. And we shouldn't be distracted even with the angels, even in our study of the word, what should we focus on in our pursuit? It has to be Christ himself. Chris, this is why in Colossians, at the end of verse 18, Paul says that Christ should have the first place in all things. So even as we look into the Bible, we can't get distracted with things like angels. We need to realize Christ is superior to the angels. Christ wants to be everything to us, and we need to give him the first place in all things. Even right now, if you're listening, it's good to pray, Lord Jesus, I want you to have the first place in my life, have the first place in my family life and in my daily life so that I can live you for your expression. Yeah, isn't it uh, amazing that Paul elevates, I guess elevates, these two things, the law and the worship of angels, to the same status as sin on the cross. In other words, the effectiveness of his death dealt with these in the same way it dealt with sin. How many Christians have this realization? Yeah, exactly. This is a tremendous view that on the cross he nailed the law with its ordinances to the cross. And, of course, there was a struggle, a battle. We'll see this. And he stripped off the evil angels that were trying to attack him as he was working on the cross. But, Chris, this shows that, you know, and Paul here was dealing with the heresy of angel worship. We need to remember that Christ alone has the preeminence in this universe and in our lives. Yeah, it's this next section directly where we're going to touch this matter of the stripping off of the rulers and the authorities from verse 15. Let's go back to Witness Lee. Well, Christ was on the cross... And while the things were happening there, and while God was working there, I tell you, the cross became the real center. The Savior, Christ was there. Sin was there. You and I were there. Satan was there. God was also there. Christ was crucified there, and God was working there. 
God was kneeling the law on the cross. And God was there judging the sin. I tell you, that was the real center. And by that time, my, the rulers, the authorities were all around there. Not only around Christ, but around God. But that time, while Christ was working by being crucified, while God was working to crucify so many things, both Christ and God were working there. I tell you, the rulers, the authorities were around. They were also working. Otherwise, how could God strip off the rulers and the authorities if they were quite far away from them? I mean, from God and Christ. How could God strip them away? The word stripping off indicates by the time of stripping off, all the rulers and the authorities were close. We're close to Christ. We're close to God. Just like the jacket. You see, the jacket is so close to me. Now, I'm going to what? Shave it off. Wow, what a picture, Ed. You know, there is so much more to the cross than I think we'll ever fully know. But I think at least to some small degree, our view has been expanded somewhat by what we just heard. Let's talk a little bit more about all this activity that was taking place around the cross. He brought in that in addition to Christ being there, God was there, active, working, judging. Of course, Christ was dying, accomplishing our redemption. But also, this matter of the rulers and the authorities, they had to be there too. Otherwise, how could he have stripped them off at the cross? This is amazing. Chris, what's amazing to me is you've got the apparent scene of a man dying on the cross, but there's an invisible scene going on. And like Brother Lee pointed out, you know, God is there. Christ is there. Actually, we're there being crucified with Christ, according to Galatians 2.20. Yeah. He's nailing the law to the cross. And at the same time, you could see a war raging there. The evil rulers and the authorities were so close to him, to God in Christ, just like a jacket. When he was dying and resurrecting and ascending, he stripped them off. He defeated them openly on the cross. Even Hebrews 2.14 tells us that he destroyed the devil, Satan, on the cross. So this was just a cataclysmic event in the universe. Even this is why Brother Lee says the cross is really the center of the universe. Seemingly the darkest hour, God was doing his greatest work. If you look in Ephesians what God was doing on the cross was he was busy creating his masterpiece. Yes, amen. Ephesians 2.15 says he abolished in his flesh the law of the commandments and ordinances on the cross, and he created the two, Jews and Gentiles, into one new man. If you look in verse 10 of chapter 2, it says that this creation is called the masterpiece of God, the new man. God's masterpiece was created on the cross. And what is the new man? The new man actually is the church as the body of Christ. We are the members of the body of Christ. The body of Christ was created through Christ's work on the cross. And we, as the members of the new man, we are God's masterpiece. So in the darkest hour, he was creating his masterpiece, and there was a big warfare over this. It's just a remarkable scene in the invisible realm. 
That's what's so profound, Ed. This activity was in the divine and mystical realm. It was in the hidden realm. But our eyes, by virtue of these verses and God's shining and his spirit, can be opened to view this realm and see this activity, can't they? Exactly. It's amazing how the Lord revealed this whole invisible realm of his operation on the cross to defeat shame and triumph over all the evil rulers and authorities so that he could produce the new man, the body of Christ, as his gem of a masterpiece in the universe. Consider the church as the body, the new man, is a masterpiece. Paul says in Colossians 3 that in the new man there's no barbarian, no Scythian, no slave, no Greek, no Jew, but Christ is all and in all. That means Christ is all the members of the new man, and he's in all the members. This is a a wonderful masterpiece of a miracle that the devil hated. Yeah, next week we're going to have an entire program devoted to this masterpiece, The New Man, I think, on Thursday. I think right now we want to go back to Witness Lee because I think our listeners could detect he was burdened. He was full of a release in his spirit as he was opening these matters, and we want to get back to him where he left off. Not only shaped the earth, listen, he made it display openly, triumphing over them, triumphing over them in it. This is a great verse. You cannot understand it just by 30 days. When you get into this verse, you could see a picture. Fighting was going on there at the cross. The evil man, the Roman soldiers, and so forth, crucifying Christ on the cross. And from that time, Christ on the cross was working. Accomplishing redemption. He was working. And God the Father was also working, nailing something, judging something, condemning something. Both God and Christ were busy there on the cross. And at the same time, listen, all the rulers of authority came to do something. And this was the picture. Stripping off indicates these rulers of authorities were very close to God. An old trending over them indicates a war was going on there. A fighting was going on there. While Christ was being crucified, accomplishing redemption, while God was needing the negative things on the cross, I tell you the rulers of sorrow all came around them to interrupt, to interfere the work on the cross. So I tell you, at this juncture, God stripped off all the surrounding, bothering, interrupting rulers and authorities and triumphed over them and displayed them and made them an open show. That is an open shame. I hope my little word can help you to realize through all the small windows you see, stripping off is a small window. And uh, triumphing over them is another small window. Through all the small windows, you could see through my uncoverably while Christ was being crucified there and while God was busy nailing so many things on the cross, there was a fighting. There was a fighting between God, Christ, and the rulers and authorities. Paul's concept 
is to let us know. Colossians, you need such a vision. Why you still keep the law? You need such a vision. Why you still worship the angels? Foolish. Dear saints, have you seen this? Well, if you would have seen this, I'm happy. I will go home to rest. These are the three things in a good sequence. And this is the economy of God's salvation. Number one, to enlighten you. And number two, to nail the law on the cross. And number three, to shape off all the bothering angels. Ed, the vision that is incorporated into these verses, if we get it, is really marvelous. Of course, it's striking that things that uh, would seem to us to be good things, angels potentially and uh, the law, not bad things, have the same status as sin needing to be dealt with on the cross. But there's a result, there's a purpose behind all of this, isn't there, that really needs to be the vision that captures us. Right, Chris, there is. And like we've seen in this program in a marvelous way on the cross, Christ abolished the law of the commandments and ordinances. He nailed the law with its ordinances to the cross. He stripped off the evil angelic rulers and authorities, made a shame of them openly. He shamed Satan, actually destroyed Satan on the cross. But this was also, as the verses point out in Colossians, that we could be made alive with Christ. On the cross, not only did he do these things, but he released his divine life into us so that he could be imparted into us to be our life. In the Gospel of John, John points out, it says, in him was life, in Christ was life. Then the Lord said, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Of course, the Greek word for life there is zoe, which is the divine, eternal, uncreated life of God. We have a physical life and a psychological life, but what we need is Zoe, the divine, eternal life of God, which is actually Christ himself. This is why he came. Well, when he was on the cross, just like a grain of wheat falling into the ground and dying, while that grain is dying, the life germ within it is being released, and it comes up in resurrection, and that life is imparted into many grains. When the same way, when Christ died, his life was released from within him into us. Now, we are the many grains who are ground and blend together to make the one loaf, which is the body of Christ. So this is Christ's purpose, to impart himself into us as life. This is a very wonderful vision of what Christ's death has done for us. It's really the whole book of Colossians. Paul is burdened to bring the Colossians to the realization and the appreciation and into the experience of the unique person in the universe, Christ. And so all of these things that became complicating factors or frustrating factors that, you know, led them off, he was burdened to remove them and, you know, such language as stripping them away, etc., etc. He had one burden, and that is that we would have one focus. Exactly. Through his death on the cross, he destroyed all the negative things in the universe so that through his death and in his resurrection, he could dispense and impart himself into us to be our very life. This is why Colossians 3 has this term, Christ our life. He is our very life, and we need to enjoy him and experience him and contact him day by day. 
Ed, thank you for being here today, and uh, your fellowship is always a real enjoyment to me personally, and I think a, a supply to our listeners. Appreciate it very much. We hope you stay with us for as many of these programs as you can. Before we go today, let us leave you with our toll-free number and invite your phone calls, your inquiries, your questions, your comments. We would love to hear from you. It means a great deal. Uh, that toll-free number, one eight 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 life study That's 888-543-3788. Our mailing address is Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. And our email address is radio at lsm.org. We've been receiving a lot of email in the last uh, days and weeks. It's obviously becoming more common and popular. So once again, the email address is just simply radio at lsm.org. And we'll return next week with more life studies from the book of Colossians. For Ed Marks today, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you again for listening. In a series of messages given to his co-workers in 1948 and 1949, Watchman Nee presents a balanced view of studying the Bible. In addition to providing practical guidelines for discovering the riches in God's Word, he spends an equal amount of time to impart a burden that those who study the Bible must be proper persons before the Lord. Only then can we receive light and revelation from the Holy Scriptures. How to Study the Bible by Watchman Nee from Living Stream Ministry is available now at Christian bookstores or call 1-888-543-3788. That number again is 1-888-543-3788.